Amen. Thank you, worship team. Thank you, Bo. Good morning. It's good to see you this morning. So in the last service, during this last song, as I stood back there and realized that the, that the technology was all goofed up and the, my notes were gone and all that kind of stuff, I said, maybe God's moving us in a different direction this morning. And so uh, literally in just that last worship song, I just changed my message for the morning. And all my notes all of a sudden became moot. So I've had at least an hour and a half to think about it now, so we're good. But I want to ask you to turn to Colossians chapter 1, because we've been through six months in our world, unlike any six months in a long, long time, maybe in, our, in any of our memories. And it's not just that something happened that impacted some people somewhere, and then there, thereby it kind of impacted us, but something happened that impacted all of us. And it's just been thing after thing, especially in our country now, over the last four months, and it has changed how we feel, how we process our day, how we prioritize our life. It's changed our schedule. It's changed, impacted our relationships, our finances, our job. It has changed a lot of stuff in our lives. And some of us have been turned, our lives have been somewhat turned upside down. And we have perhaps lost focus at times. I know I have. Have you ever been going through the week and you're just like, oh man, what, you know, what am I thinking? What, I, you try to get your focus back and you're not even sure what your focus should be. And so this morning as I was thinking about the last message in the series on Proverbs, I was going to take us to Proverbs chapter 5. So you can go ahead later on this afternoon, you can look at Proverbs chapter 5. That's what we were going to talk about this morning. But instead, I wanted to talk about Jesus from the book of Colossians, because Colossians has a ton to say about Jesus. And at a time when all of the things that we would normally look to, to get our bearings, to get our, the direction in our life, so many of them have been scattered and have been endangered and have been swaying back and forth. The time is especially now to look to Jesus. The time is especially now to say, Jesus, you're the one who's the constant in my life. You're the one that I need to focus on, that I need to look to, and you're the one I've known it all along, but maybe I've, I've forgotten for just a little bit that you're the one in whom is my hope. So in Colossians chapter 1, it's not, there's nothing on the screen, I guess except for me, um, but Colossians chapter 1 verse 15, we're going to talk about Jesus because I want to reorient your heart to what is most important this morning. The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. Now, we could just stop there. Thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. Powers. COVID-19 has had power in our world, right? It has altered the course of a lot of our lives. Rulers, rulers have power in our world. Thrones, 
Um, what's the other word? Uh, thrones, um, powers, rulers, authorities. Authorities in our world. They all, they all have a certain influence in us, but it says that in him all things were created. So it doesn't matter what the authority, what the power, what the ruler is, all things were created by Jesus and for Jesus. Now look at the next verse. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. There's so much rich theology in this passage because it talks about who God the Son is, and as we're going to see, who God himself is, the triune God is. And he is the head, verse 18, of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead. What does that mean? He is the firstborn from among the dead. He is the first one to literally have died, dead, buried, and then rose again. Not just, re- not just resuscitated, but resurrected. He's the first one. And because of him, we can look and say, okay, our bodies may die at some point, but we will experience a resurrection from the dead. And it says he is the firstborn, the first one from among the dead, so that, here's why, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. Paul is just filled with superlatives. He just gives it the the, the top billing. In everything, he might have the supremacy. That also must mean that in our lives, Jesus must have the supremacy in our lives. So what have you been trusting in? Who have you been trusting in? What has your hope been placed in? And if it isn't Jesus, it's a misplaced trust and a misplaced hope in which every time we're going to be disappointed. Verse 18, for God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him. God was pleased. It made God happy. It was fitting from God's perspective to have what? To have all of his fullness dwell in him. Oftentimes, we might think that Jesus was the one, they were having a conversation in heaven, and people had dropped the ball. There was sin, there was destruction, there was death, and God, the triune God, had this conversation with himself. What are we going to do about this? And Jesus drew the short straw. Okay, Jesus, you're the one that's got to go down there. You've got to live with them. You're the one that's got to go down there. You've got to get nailed to a cross. You're the one who has to die for their sins. The Father and the Holy Spirit, we're going to stay up here. And there are going to be times where we're just, we're just not going to watch because we don't, we don't want to know. So don't bring any of it back with you. You take care of it down there. We'll raise you from the dead. And, but that's not what this passage says and following passages. It doesn't say that at all. It says, for God was happy to have all his fullness dwell in Jesus. The Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, the fullness of the deity dwelt in Jesus. And Jesus came down, all of God came down for all of us. And he lived among us. Because it says in verse 20, all his fullness dwell in him and through him, through Jesus, in whom was all of God's fullness, 
to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross, through him to reconcile to himself all things. doesn't just mean people. It means all of creation. Paul talks about it in Romans chapter 8 when he says that all of creation is just groaning, waiting, waiting for that redemption that's going to come, that reconciliation, that restoration back to Eden that's going to come when God unites heaven and earth together. God dwelling with man. Man in the presence of God. No longer, they'll all have the, the law of God written on their hearts. This is not, well, we sang this morning, I'll Fly Away. It's a, it's a good song. But we're not flying away. We're not flying away. Heaven is coming to earth. In Revelation, right, the new Jerusalem comes down. And heaven and earth combine. And God is with man. And we are on a restored earth. A renewed earth. The earth the way God originally wanted it. The way it was before sin entered into the world. And God is going to do that. And he's doing it through him. Through Jesus. He's going to reconcile to himself all things whether things on earth or in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Paul is so descriptive, and he's so particular, and he's so specific. His physical body that was on the cross, that bled, and that died. Because Paul was preaching against the heresy of what were called the Gnostics, the ones who said, well, you, we can't really know, and, and, and Jesus didn't come. He didn't come in physical form because physical form and flesh is evil. He actually came as a spirit. He never actually came in physical. And Paul is saying, no, his body had blood, and that blood was shed on the cross. And he says in verse 21, once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds, because of your evil behavior. You remember that time? <laughs> you remember when you were alienated from God and were enemies in your mind because of your evil behavior? There's a lot of people alienated from God, but that isn't how God wants them to be. God never created humanity to be alienated from him. So here's the trick. How do you if you've got the power to create somebody like yourself who has freedom of choice and agency and free will, how do you create somebody that will stay with you forever even when you don't force them? How do you do that? How do you, how do you create a family? I mean, I've got four kids. Some of you have lots of kids. I talked to a lady the other day. She's not in the room, but her family's in the room, so I better not give specifics. But this woman has a lot of kids and a lot of grandkids and a lot more than I've ever heard of great-grandkids. And she can, ha she can love them all and try to have a relationship with them all, but she can't force them. And, and God, God somehow, somehow created people with free choice and free will, and somehow they, they alienated themselves from him, and what is a God to do when his own creation 
turns their back on him and walks the other way. Because you know, you know this. God isn't forcing you to do anything. You can do whatever you want to do because that's how God created you. You can do whatever you want. I said in the first service, I, I could walk up to one of you and I could, bam, hit you in the left side of your cheek with my right fist and knock you down and maybe knock you out. As long as you weren't looking when I was coming. Because if you were looking, you'd move out of the way quick enough because I'm not that fast. But that would have a consequence. That would have a huge consequence. You might forgive me, but none of you would see me the same if I did something like that. My ministry would probably be over. Just one punch and the whole thing's over with. Alienated from God is our choice. We can do what we want to do. We were alienated from God. Look, but look at verse 22 says, but now he has reconciled you. He has brought you back together with him by Christ's, here he says it again, physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. Now, we're never really going to know until God explains it to us someday, if he deems to do it. We're never really going to know the, the, this, this idea about us choosing God, but God choosing us. We don't really know how that works. But when we place our faith in Jesus Christ, when we believe in Jesus, who he was and what he did, something happens on the inside. We're created new. There's this regenerative work that happens inside of us. The old us is gone, buried with Christ, and there's a new us who is, when we're raised to a new life, and we're different. And it says here, but now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you. Now, do you see yourself holy in his sight? Do you consider yourself without blemish? And are you truly, tell the truth, are you free from accusation? You know you're not. Oh, <laughs> I mean you are. Look what it says. It says that. It says this. But here's, here's what we do. We focus on ourselves and we say, no, I'm not holy. There's no way I'm going to ever stand up anywhere and say I'm blameless. And there's a lot that I could be accused of. When we focus on us, that seems to be true. But who's the one talking here? And who's the one doing the work in our lives? It says, he has reconciled you. We don't reconcile ourselves to God. He reconciles us to himself. He reconciles us to himself. He's the reconciler by Christ's physical body to present you. He's the one presenting us to himself as being holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. That's the truth. That's how you can see yourself and that's how you can have hope even though you fail as Londa talked about, you know, and your little stickers, whoop, they drop off the chart. Oh, there goes another one. It, I'm so bad, I don't even have a chart. I don't even have a chart on the refrigerator anymore. It's been taken down. Verse 23, he says, if you continue, and this is one of those English words, it, means, it really means since. It's not, if you continue, you'll have this, but if you don't, then you're going to lose it. Well, we know that's not true based on a lot of other scripture. 
So a better rendition of this or a proper understanding of this is since you continue in your faith, established and firm, and since you are not moving from the hope held out in the gospel, none of us want to move from the hope held out in the gospel. That's the good news. He says, he says this is the gospel that you heard and that has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven and of which I, Paul, have become a servant. This gospel teaches us that we can be reconciled to God, that our hope is in him, that this God who fills the person of Jesus, who is, Jesus is all of God in all of him, and he's all in us through his spirit. So if Jesus is somewhere in a body and the fullness of God dwells in him, and we have the Holy Spirit in us, does the fullness of God dwell in the Spirit? See, you can't cut God into pieces. You can't trim around the edges of God. You can't separate God. There is one God. So when you say God the Holy Spirit lives within me, is in me, God's in you. God is in you. Go down to verse 26. And Paul is talking about this mystery, this mystery that's been kept hidden for ages and generations, but is now disclosed to the Lord's people. The Lord's people, to them, God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is, and Paul states the mystery. He reveals the mystery. So it's not a mystery anymore. And it is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ in you, the hope of glory. This Jesus who is 100% God, who has the fullness of the deity that lives within him, he is in us. In another passage in Galatians chapter 2, he says, but Christ lives in me. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. So when you just look at yourself, you say, oh, I failed, I've done all this stuff. And it's all true. But that's what the good news is, that Jesus lives his life in us and through us, and he is our hope. Verse 28, Paul says, he is the one we proclaim. He's the one. Admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that, here's the reason why he's proclaiming Jesus. This is why he's not proclaiming other stuff. And this is interesting. It's so easy for us in our culture, right? We talked about our culture earlier. We get wrapped up in our culture and we get wrapped up with everything that's going on in the world. And we begin to seek answers to the things in our culture that we don't need to worry about the answers to. Because God himself God himself, it says, he is the one we proclaim. Jesus is the answer. And this isn't really just a Sunday school answer. He really is the answer to all the issues in our life. Because if he doesn't take those issues away, he walks with us through those issues. He walks with us. He never leaves us or forsakes us. He is with us through the difficulty. He is the one we proclaim. And it's interesting that we're often willing and ready and able to proclaim something different. Like, what's your hope in? What are you proclaiming? Is your hope in the Congress or the Senate? Have at it. 
That's rich, isn't it? (laughs) Is your hope in the Supreme Court? Good luck. Is your hope in the White House? Well, just wait a few years. Good luck, right? When our hope is in the institutions of man, we are going to get discouraged every single time. And we're going to get disappointed every single time. Paul didn't say, the emperor in Rome is the one I proclaim. He didn't say the the, the royal law of the Roman Empire, the Pax Romana, that's what I proclaim, that will keep you safe. No, he said, he is the one we proclaim. We teach everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone, what? Fully mature in Christ. Fully mature in Christ. That's our goal, is to be fully mature in Jesus. Not in this world, not in our own abilities, not in our portfolio. I asked you a few weeks ago, how's your portfolio doing? How is it doing two months ago today? Real good, right? But, but that's really not the question. The question is, in who or in what is our hope? Because if your hope is in your portfolio, it's never going to be big enough. Is it? I mean, it's never big enough. Just a little bit more. Just a little bit more. It's, it's when we up our standard of living, then it's just our standard of living. Then we up it a little bit more, and, but it's, not, it's still just our standard of living. And we always want to live just above our standard of living, or at least to get to just above it. And it's always a little bit more. But when our hope is in Jesus, he's already the, the superlative. He's already the ultimate. He's already at the top. We are already guaranteed security, safety, all these things that we seek for, we're not going to find them in the world and we're not going to find them in this life, but we find them holistically through Jesus. We can stand firm in Jesus because he's not going anywhere. He's not, he's not gone away in four years. He doesn't have to be reelected or elected. He doesn't have to be appointed to a certain court. He doesn't, he's not going to face term limits. Jesus isn't going to do that fully mature in Christ, and Paul says, to this end I strenuously contend with all the energy Christ so powerfully works in me. And verse 2 of chapter 2 says, my goal is that they may be encouraged in heart and united in love. Have you been watching the 24-hour news cycle? Are you encouraged in heart? (laughs) Are you united in love? That's rich too, isn't it? We're not going to find that in the world. We're not going to be encouraged and united in the world. The only one we're going to be encouraged and united around is Jesus. The only one we're going to be encouraged and united around is our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We fail ourselves all the time. The world will fail us every time. But Jesus will never fail us. That they may be united in love so that they may have the full riches of complete understanding in order that they may know the mystery of God, namely, who? Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. We've been in Proverbs. We're talking about wisdom and understanding. Jesus is the one in him are hidden all the treasures. And I was picturing in the first service as I said that, the treasure chest. I used to see it when I was a kid on the cartoons. The, 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 the loot, the booty, right? The treasure chest. 
And it was overflowing, and the gold coins were just dripping out of it, and gold bullion and all this stuff. But that's actually Jesus. We actually have that in Jesus. All of the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. It then finally, in verse 9 of chapter 2, it says, For in Christ all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. You're talking about deity and you're talking about body. Those are two very different things. Deity, ultimate, superlative, everything. Creator, sustainer, body. Tent, right? It's it's wasting away. But he says, in Jesus, all the fullness of the deity, the fullness of the deity. What is the fullness of the deity? That blows our minds, right? That blows our minds. Maybe, the, maybe some part of the fullness of the deity will help me live my life pleasing to God. Oh, that's all I ask. That's all we want, right? We just want to live a life that's pleasing to God. Maybe there's a part of the fullness of the deity that would help us to do that. All of the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form in Jesus And in Christ, you have been brought to fullness. Do you feel like you've been brought to fullness? You have in Christ. For the life that I now live, by faith I live, I live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God. That's not me, but Christ lives in me. And in him, you've been brought to fullness. Stop thinking, oh, when I get to this point, when I get to that point, when I get this victory over sin, when I defeat this uh, dragon in my life. No, no, no. Live out of who you are. I have to live out of who I am in Christ. And it says that in Christ, I have been brought to fullness. Why? Because he is the head over every power and authority. He's the head. There's no appeal past him. You appeal to him, and he's the head over every power and authority. It doesn't go any higher. And he says that we've been brought to fullness in him. In this world, you will have tribulation. But I forget how it goes. Rejoice, because I've overcome the world. Jesus has overcome the world. We may have tribulation, We've still got maybe economic problems, maybe career issues, maybe health issues through this COVID virus, all this other stuff, all this uncertainty. The world is a little bit like swirling around right now. That's all right. That's okay. Because we're in Christ. Doesn't mean we're not going to go through it. Doesn't mean we're not going to have to deal with some of this stuff. But ultimately, Jesus is the one. In John 10, right, we're in his hand and he's never going to let us out of his hand and he is in the Father's hand and we're all one. John, go, jumping up to John 17. See, this is truth. This stuff is truth. What's going on out there, what you can see on TV or listen to on the radio or read on the internet, that's not truth. It's not truth. It may be descriptive of what's going on, but this is truth. And your faith and my faith needs to be in Jesus Christ. We need to follow him. 
He's our Savior. The world isn't our Savior. We're followers of His. We're not followers of the world. So I want to encourage you. We're, we're in the last half of this year, and this is the six-month period. They used to be some, some election cycles ago. They called it silly season. It's when, every, it's when everybody acted said things they wouldn't normally say, right? During an election cycle. And there's elections on, on every level. During this next six months, when the world, and particularly our country, is focused on other things, let's let our focus be on Jesus. Let's, let's do our part. Let's be good citizens. But let's let our focus be on Jesus. Because he is the one who's supreme over everything and everybody else. Would you pray with me? Let's pray together. Father, we come before you, Lord, and we surrender ourselves to you. We submit ourselves to you, Lord Jesus. We're your followers. You are our master. You're our savior. You're our creator. But you're also our brother and our friend and the one who loves us more than anyone else on the planet. So we submit ourselves to you. We confess, Father, when we have allowed our gaze to be on other things. We confess when our hope or our trust has been placed in our riches or our intelligence or our education or our health or our career or, or our society or our culture or our country or anything else, Lord, besides you. Drop us to any spot on the planet and you're our Savior and you're the King. So Lord Jesus, we honor you this morning as King. And God, I pray that if there's, if there's anyone in this room this morning who has never placed their faith in you, the crucified and resurrected King who died for our sins, who loves us and who offers us eternal life through faith in you, Holy Spirit, would you speak to a heart this morning that may not know you in a personal, reconciling way where they've been brought back into a relationship with you through Christ. God, I pray that you'd work in their heart, that they would believe in Jesus, the God who loves them and died for them. And Lord, help us all this week to walk in faith, to walk in obedience, to walk in trust, to walk in love, because that's what you did, Jesus. Help us to do that. In Christ's name we pray.